and welcome to another Everything is Black and White podcast. And it's another upbeat podcast after Newcastle United won a game. It doesn't happen very often. Well, it's happening a lot at the moment, but it's 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 happened twice in two weeks. Chris Woff has joined me. Sean McCormick's here as well. Andrew Musgrove taking another, uh, another break. I think he's so shocked by the wins that he's uh, decided to take some time off to recover. Chris, <coughs> tell us a little bit about... Saturday and uh, where you think it all went right for Newcastle? Saturday was it was a brilliant occasion all round. I mean, Newcastle got the lead early through Rondon and really built from there in the first half in particular. I thought they were excellent. Second goal, well documented how brilliant it was. Hark back to, to days when Newcastle had centre-forwards who regularly scored powerful headers like that. And then second half, really open game. Could have ended threes each, 4-3 quite easily, I think. Benitez was getting a bit agitated on the touchdown first 20 minutes of second half. He changed things round. Subs brought on and, and changed the formation. And, and Newcastle just saw it through. Well, look, for the second week in the row, they got a bit lucky. But I also think we saw how Newcastle can and will play if Salomon Rondon's fully fit. And he's the man Benitez wanted during the summer. And he seems to fit that formation perfectly. Sean, Rondon, have we, were we all kind of like... Are we all maybe sort of not writing him off is probably not the right word, but we we're all a little bit sceptical about what Rondon was going to bring. Are we maybe going the other, to the other side now where he's had so much praise? He's been compared to Alan Shearer in the last, but not by, by the man himself, uh, being compared to Alan Shearer. Where, where, how good a performance was Saturday's from Rondon? And is that his level, or do you think he's maybe been playing a little bit above himself and something? Well, I think it was an absolutely outstanding performance. It's hard to remember a better performance from a forward for a long time at Newcastle, I must say. Um, took the second goal brilliantly. It was shades of Les Ferdinand in there. You don't want to go too over the top because he's just done it on one occasion. But it's been a bit of a stop-start start for him at Newcastle. He, he came here with a bit of fitness problems, hadn't really featured West Brom in pre-season. Then he had the injury struggles, got injured in international duty. He's never really had a clean run of it now. It's a shame that we've got an international break after this game, to be honest, because it would be nice for him to carry on the, the momentum we build from that game. But no, I think it was an excellent performance. I think, as Chris said, it showed what Newcastle can do with a goal scorer there who can take these chances because, particularly at home in the first half of games, Newcastle have actually played quite well in a lot of games this season, created a lot of chances, hadn't taken them. The Brighton game a fortnight earlier, 27 shots on goal, didn't score, lost 1 0. It showed, the, it showed how key it is to have someone out and take those chances. You know, the first one was a bit scrappy, but he, he was aware and got the second second chance in the rebound. I thought he was absolutely excellent. Hopefully he can continue that now and go on a bit of a run for Newcastle because there's a few winnable games coming up. And if Newcastle are going to build some winning momentum and claim the league table, then Rondon's going to have to score the goals and he's going to be key to that. I'll tell you who, who impressed me. I mean, <clears> Rondon was the one we've all talked about. But um, a really key man on Saturday, and I think he's probably starting to come back into a bit of form, was, was Kennedy who yeah. I think started the season really poorly. looked as if his focus was maybe missing a little bit. It didn't look fit for me either. I, th- I thought he looked like, you know, he hadn't had a proper pre-season or maybe it'd been a bit stop-start, which, which it was because he didn't play many games pre-season. But I thought on Saturday he was, he was outstanding. And when, he, when he's on the ball and playing crosses, like I remember that, that, the assist for the second goal was superb. But Kennedy, you know, I, I think we, we maybe... Um, saw the real Kennedy on Saturday and it, it's possibly been a little bit there was so much expectation when them coming back there was no expectation when he first came I don't think really he surpassed those expectations maybe he found it a little bit difficult to meet, meet them at the start of the season but I think he's slowly coming back into form and if he can maintain that level towards the end of the season once again he's going to be a massive asset and uh, personally I'd absolutely love to see Newcastle really push to make that a permanent signing 
in January, which I think they could do. I think it'd be there for them if they wanted to do it. And then it would also open up another another loan signing uh, for Newcastle. But I thought Kennedy was outstanding. I mean, just good performances all over the pitch. What I liked about Kennedy's performance, actually, and it was, it was the same the week before, was that he looks focused again. It was almost what he did off the ball. There was the situation in the first half where he lost the ball to Ryan Fraser, chased him 30 yards back, showed strength and won it. And he did that all game. He'd made the tackle the week before against Watford. And, I mean, he's had a few personal issues in terms of uh, his daughter and his, his, his wife was down in, or his partner, sorry, was down in London. They're now moving up to the northeast. He seems happy, he seems settled and focused again. I think that's starting to show in his play. And when he gets the ball... All Newcastle fans, just there's an ex, there's an expectation about what he might do, and, and the the ball for Rondom was brilliant, and hopefully in, in the coming weeks and months he, he'll start to add a few more goals and assist to his game because that's the one thing I think he lacks is in front of goal. Sometimes I don't think he's as clinical as he should be. He had that chance where him and Perez linked up well and he flicked it through, but if he can start, if he gets one, I think he can start getting a few in the next few weeks. He's a lovely lad, isn't he? I mean, yeah. this is the thing. The one thing. I think because he came with a bit of a reputation because of what happened in, in China, but I mean, you've talked to him, he's a, he's a really nice lad and he seems genuinely happy to be in Newcastle. Yeah, and he realises that this is a big season in his career as well. I think that it, it started badly and then one thing manifested another and obviously the miss at Cardiff and he was quite low at that point of with the issues we were going on off the pitch as well, being away from his family. But now he seems settled. He knows he needs to take this chance because... He's only going to have a year left in his contract at Chelsea at the end of this year. Sarri doesn't seem to want him. So he either has to earn a move to Newcastle or elsewhere. And so he really needs to start performing if he wants to, to reach the potential he clearly has. Finally, one of the questions we were, we were asking on uh, Tuesday, Sean, about yeah. whether Shelby and Lascelles come back into the team. I mean, for the first time this season, there's probably a bit of competition for starting jerseys now. I mean, Lascelles in particular, I think would probably have a bit of a job to get back into that team. But Shelby as well, because Key's been playing exceptionally in the last couple of games. Well, I'd say we spoke after the Watford game and we did our post-game podcast then and it was it was relief more than anything that we'd seen players come off the bench who we didn't really think had much about them, really prove us wrong and come on and play really well. They started for the whole game on Saturday. Again, that was another test that we needed to see them doing that for a full 90 minutes, not just coming on and making an impact. I thought Key in particular was absolutely outstanding on Saturday. The ball for Kennedy for the second goal was outstanding. Um, but I think you know they've done they've done it now for a couple of the games. They're now going to win international duties. So hopefully, the key isn't, but Cher is. Um, you'd like to think they can carry on their good form there. Cher should get two games for the Swiss national team. But we've seen it before where Rafa Benitez has had two weeks to work with the players he got in the training ground. Yeah. Maybe that could be a factor in his team selection against Burnley, where you know Cher's going to be away with the Swiss national team. He's going to have a lot more time to work with the players who are here. And while he's got you know in positions where he's going to have to make decisions like centre half, if the cells is fit, maybe that'll work in the cells work to the cells' advantage. Uh, being at the training ground that that amount of time when shares away, because um, I think in terms of the international players who go away, the only players who go on in the national break for their national teams and come back and are kind of guaranteed of the place are Martin Dubravka and DeAndre Yed than anybody yeah. else who goes there it's probably a disadvantage for them in terms of the Newcastle United starting place probably dumb it as well dumb it's it well yeah dumb it forgetting about dumb it yeah, yeah, dumb it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I've not, but, not played I mean it. yeah but again he's gonna he's got a chance for on, on I think it's Friday Wales played Denmark Ben Davis is suspended so he should have a chance to prove himself at national level because I think we were having a discussion in the office the other day and you did a piece yesterday Mark Rankin the players who've played in Benitez and Paul Dummett's been a really consistent performer with Rafa Benitez. It'd be yeah. nice to see him, you know, start on the international stage as well and really, you know, take his career at that next level. I mean, captain on Saturday as well. Yeah. I think that the kind of improvement on, of Paul Dummett mm. from being really a couple of years ago, I think probably 
not a whipping boy wasn't necessarily the case, but I don't think he many fans would have said he was one of the mm. first names on the team sheet. But now, I mean, he's a proper Premier League player, isn't he? He's got that about him. He is, and actually at the weekend after the game, I overheard uh, John Anderson, the former Newcastle United fullback, who does the commentary for BBC Newcastle, chatting to a couple of people in the press room, and he, he says he's always astounded now when there's a fan who rings up and criticises Dummett because looking at him as, as a former fullback. He just does everything right. Yes, he, 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 isn't, he isn't great going forward. We know he's limited in that regard, but he's going to be one of the first names on Rafa's team sheet because Rafa knows that if he puts him out there, 99% of the time he's going to do exactly as he wants for him. He's going to make the right decision defensively and he's committed to the cause. And we saw that again on Saturday. And it, he really is, alongside Martin Dubravka, probably Newcastle's most consistent performer, certainly the most consistent outfield performer they've got. Yeah, I mean... It- the international break kind of comes at a time, I think, for Newcastle where things things are things are looking up, but it's only still only two wins. I mean, the now because the other teams down there are picking up points as well. This next little run of games is the kind of run where you think they would pick pick points up. But Burnley, you know, it's a tough tough away game. West Ham, a really hit and miss. We're coming into a really really crucial period for Newcastle because they could probably either set the agenda to be you know, mid-table looking at you know maybe kicking on in the new year or they could get dragged back into it Sean I mean Burnley is Burnley is one of those games really where if Newcastle win that we can really start to look up but if they lose they get dragged back into it definitely and you know going to Turf and it's never an easy game you know Sean Dyche said it's entertaining game he was, yeah <laughs> last, I mean last season's game you know, I think it's one of the worst games that's been on Sky in terms of entertainment value but you know, we were discussing this yesterday, and Burnley, yes, that you know, Sean Dyche is famed for you know having the sides organised and hard to break down. They've started the season badly as well, and particularly at home, they're going, the onus is going to be on them to get the result. Maybe you know that creates more space on the counter attack for Newcastle to exploit. Who knows? But it's it's a tough game, but a winnable game for Newcastle, as are a lot of the games coming up now. And you know, they had that such a rotten start of the season in terms of the fixture list and who they've played. They've always said that you know across November, December, this is the time where they need to start picking up points. Last season, you know, Newcastle, you know, become f- famous for beating the teams around them, themselves at the bottom. The, you know, when you put the table together, Newcastle were top of that table in terms of the bottom eight teams at the time. And, you know, he's going to have to do that again this season. They've lost to Brighton already. They can't afford to lose too, too many more teams that are going to be around them. Um, but, you know, in terms of Newcastle away from home so far against those teams... They have been in entertaining games, but they've ground out draws at Crystal Palace mm-hmm. at Southampton. You'd imagine they'll try and ground out, you know, another clean sheet or keep it tight at the back and try and nick it on the break. But it's a real opportunity for them, to, you know, to get a third win in a row. I'm, re- I'm revising history here, but that point against Cardiff now looks all right because Cardiff at home, you know, they're mm. starting to pick up wins. They're starting to make teams around them like really, really think about it. And they could have beaten Newcastle, but I suppose really looking back at it, a point at Cardiff looked at the time to be a real lost opportunity but if Cardiff end up being decent at home you might end up saying that that's not a bad that's not a bad point and I suppose that was when we were doing the podcast after the Southampton game when it looked so grim that's Rafa isn't it he just grinds out the wins because he knows that if I can get a point there I can get if we get three points there that point then becomes much bigger than it is and he seems to always have this long term yeah. view on the season he's not too concerned about where they are on the table because he thinks we can pick up points we can pick up points there there and there and we've seen that from Rafa time and time and time again and everybody who's worked with him says the main thing is is calmness I think you've seen that in the start of this season and that is really key for Newcastle because we all know Tyneside gets edgy 
when Newcastle lose games, the, the, the agenda changes. Um, we, there's this yearning for a win. There's this yearning for sort of something. And I think Rafa is good for Newcastle in that way in that he doesn't, he doesn't get drawn into making rash decisions. He just makes a decision that he thinks long-term is right for the club. Well, that's why I think that the fixture list was so damaging at Newcastle early on. It's not the case that because they're lost to the teams that they're expected to lose to, it's because they didn't really have that home game where, say if they played Cardiff at home second game, they'd won it. Then there isn't all this talk that it's it's eight games without a win, it's nine games without a win. And it it, it, it just facilitated throughout it. And, and that's why it was such negativity because you couldn't see necessarily where the points were going to come from. And actually, over the context of a 38-game season, a draw away at Southampton's a good result. Draw at Cardiff, yes, you'd be targeting a win, but it's it's not a terrible point. Draw at Crystal Palace again is a decent point, but it's because Newcastle needed that win. And it was interesting listening to Matt Ritchie yesterday on TalkSport where he just said, because a lot of people have said, would it not be beneficial Newcastle have had a game this weekend rather than national break? And he said the players were just mentally drained. We need this fortnight off because every single week it was, when's this win going to come? How are we going to get out of this? Searching for answers, searching for, for where that next win was going to come from. And, and thankfully now they've got back-to-back wins. They've got a fortnight to really refocus and, and get ready for that Burnley game, which I think Rafael really fancy this one. It is a difficult place to go, but as Sean said, I, the onus is really going to be on Burnley. They need a positive result and they can't be uh, as dogged and, and sit back like they did last year in Newcastle. Newcastle got dragged into a game whereby a team basically played in a similar way to them. And when a team does that, Newcastle don't necessarily have the quality to break them down. If Burnley push forward a little bit more, leave a few gaps, and I think that gives Newcastle a bit of a chance. I think, you know, Mark, you were saying there about Rafa remaining calm and Chris said there, Matt Ritchie talking on talk sport. He was on Five Live last week as well and you got asked by Robbie Savage what you think's the uh, you know, Rafa Benitez's his biggest quality and how's he how's he, you know, kept kept your minds on the job during this this rough period and he basically just turned around and said it was his calmness and his yeah. his 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 willingness to stick to what he knows and stick to the principles that he's he's given to his players and stick to the game plan that he thinks is gonna work and now, after a rough start of the season, you know he's kind of been vindicated, and hopefully they can kick on now against Burnley, against West Ham, and get the get the wins that kind of ease the fears on a on a grander scale. It's it's always about Rafa kind of getting <clears throat> vindicated. I think like when when people when those defeats were coming, I think a lot of people were saying, "Is this Rafa's lost his touch? He's not doing this. He's not doing that." Not many people, but a lot of people were sort of starting to pick holes in things that he was doing, and I think. What's been really good about Rafa at Newcastle is that when the questions start to get asked, generally speaking, the team respond with a win. And that's why I think there is this, you know, we see fans from rival clubs saying that Newcastle fans are deluded or Newcastle reporters like us are deluded for saying, you know, why aren't you criticising Rafa more? It's him, it's not Mike Ashley, it's him, it's him, it's him. And you sort of point to the fact that there's been five or six moments at Newcastle where it could have gone the wrong way. And it's ended up being okay because Rafa, generally speaking, has taken the right decisions when things haven't been going wrong, when things haven't been going right. But he's taken the right decisions and those things kind of eventually come good. And we saw it last season with some of the little things that they do on the training ground, keeping faith in the philosophy that they've got. And I mean, he's helped by the fact that the fans love him so much that he doesn't get the same criticism. He doesn't feel the same pressure that a Pardew or a Carver or a McLaren felt. But he, he just makes those long-term correct decisions. You know, the, the whole, the, everything that he does is done with a, a certainty that he's right, which I think, you know, we say he hasn't, he doesn't come over as having the same ego as an Alan Pardew, but he's incredibly confident in what he does. 
he doesn't believe, you know, you ask him, did you do the right thing? And he always says, yes, yeah, we do, we're doing the right things. We're doing the right things. He, he, it's not the same as Alan Pardew, where you kind of felt like the, when he won when he won games, sometimes you felt like he couldn't get in the room because his head was getting so big. It's not the same thing. It's a kind of confidence that Rafa has. And, um, you know, and, and eventually I'm sure probably it will, he might not get the result, but it doesn't feel like that's coming anytime soon. It doesn't feel like he's lost his touch. Rafa. Everybody says, oh, the football league is, the Premier League has gone beyond him. Everybody's playing attacking football now. I'm not so sure. It doesn't feel like he's lost his touch to me. It feels like he still is very, very much on the top of his game to me. It still feels that Rafa knows what he's doing. Well, on Saturday, I wrote an analysis piece on the, on the Sunday. If you looked at the four players who really made a difference, in my opinion, Martin Dubravka, Federico Fernandez, Ki Sung Young, Salomon Rondon, four players Rafa wanted. Dubravka initially not not the fact that it was Dubravka but Newcastle kept on saying yeah. and why do you need a keeper you don't need another goalkeeper well he's here made a huge difference since he came in Federico Fernandez they ummed and awed about signing him they only got him on deadline day they'd looked at youngsters before because yeah. Lejeune was injured Ki Sung Young yes they signed but it was just because it was a free transfer they really wanted to keep Mikel Marino if possible but brought in Ki Sung Young instead Salomon Rondon he spent the summer fighting for all three 29 uh, all four sorry 29 years of age three of them Premier League experience the other one played in yes albeit the, the, the Slovak and Czech leagues but has played for a decent standard has experience and that was the difference for me in the last two games Newcastle have had a bit of luck but I also think it's no coincidence they've had experienced players out there who managed to see the game out on Saturday if they'd had youngsters out there possibly that wasn't the case this is the argument he keeps making this is the disagreement between him and the board and I think that that, that was him being vindicated and if you just looked at the team sheet and looked at the players who were so important it was the, the four 29 year olds rather than the youngsters in the squad Let's crunch gears slightly. A couple of things I think worth worthy of talking about. It's International Week, so um, and it's and it's the autumn, so it feels like Newcastle United takeover. Rumours are never far away. Everybody's eyes go to the sky when we end up talking about Newcastle United takeover rumours. But one of these days, you think there's maybe some truth in these things, Chris. The latest rumours uh, have come from a pretty niche financial website called Betaville. Now. The cynic in me might say that you had to sign up to get access to this story. But the guy who authors the website has a history of um, working in financial journalism, doesn't really write about football. Quite rare, I think, probably for him to, to, to go out on a limb and talk about Newcastle United. He claims that Newcastle United are, uh, well, Mike Ashley has basically virtually finalised the deal with the US or, or a consortium that is based in the US. He's been over in America um, negotiating this deal. Now, I think within the office, we know that uh, there are people who are interested, uh, including people in the US, definitely interested in Newcastle United. But our information until about two weeks ago was that nobody had yet put the money up. Nobody had got to the data room stage of the final, of the takeover process, which is the, the most advanced stage, which is where Amanda Staveley got and still didn't manage to broker a deal. Chris, you've, you've made a few calls today. What do you kind of understand by where we stand with this? Is there any truth at all in it or is it another, you know, is it another kind of red herring? I don't think it's necessarily as much of a red herring as we've had at sort of various points over the last six to eight months where there's just been a story out of nowhere and it's it's been immediately uh, quashed and you speak to people and they just say there's no truth in it at all. This one, I think possibly because of where it's come from and it, because it is such a niche, niche source, um, the people I've been speaking to have basically said that they themselves don't know where that story would have come from 
Uh, but at Newcastle United, they're very much treating things as business as usual. They haven't, nobody within the club has been briefed that a takeover is going to happen yet. But on saying that, if it was going to happen, I think that, that people inside the club would just find out as it's just about to happen, as the sale is going through. So medium term, I'm still told that, that everyone within the clubs is still being told Mike Ashley is likely to be in place. The club's for sale, but he told the players... Uh, the Italian meal last month that he didn't expect to sell. So I think we're basically at a stage where there, there are interested parties. Potentially there is something in uh, this supposed US consortium, but I think that we're not quite as advanced yet as this report says, or mm. certainly nobody who I've spoken to thinks that. Mike Ashley was at the game on Saturday. Not sure if he went to the US in the time between. I haven't been able to get that stood up, but I think there's, there's doubt about where he has been. So maybe... Maybe it's some people putting two and two together and making five, but I think that there, there probably is something in it, but whether it's as far advanced as to say, I'm not 100% sure. When you talk to people who kind of are aware of these things now, because I, I, you know, you end up, we've written so many of these stories, you end up kind of talking to people who are involved in financial journalism and things, and they said to me in the past that if, if something happens, if something happens for Newcastle United, it'd be one of two windows probably in the season. The close season, because then there'll be certainty about what division Newcastle United are in or in the run-up to a January transfer window where they can actually affect a difference in the season. So we're about, what, six, seven weeks away from that January transfer window. So I anticipate probably a few more of these kind of stories if there is anybody with any interest. And I think, you know, it was like last season when there was a Amanda Staley thing and, and, and we were hearing from her camp that there was, you know, it was getting closer to there being something in it. Starting to get little tidbits little people giving me uh, little bits and pieces but you know I, I think we've all had our fingers burned by the Stavely situation it felt like that was very close credible people were telling us it was close key the key thing was and I think this is the reason why some of why people get fed up with these stories and why these stories don't often get knocked down and sometimes don't get built up is that literally there are maybe only a very few handful of people around Mike Ashley who know the truth from a Newcastle perspective um, because people at the club, it's not being dealt with by Newcastle United. It's being dealt with by uh, a separate firm who who are effectively there, the ones doing the, the business on Newcastle's on Newcastle's behalf. Because they've taken it, they've outsourced it from Newcastle because they get so many people making inquiries, and we've had people ring the office um, claiming to kind of have some interest in buying Newcastle United. I've had people contact me, and they want to know where, well, who should we go to, and things. And you kind of think. That's probably what's happening at Newcastle as well. People go into them. But it does feel like, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in the next few weeks or not at all this season. And that would then mean, you know, the whole Rafa situation comes into play and then we, we move forward and stuff. And I think it's been quite nice, actually, and Sean will probably back us up on this one. It's been quite nice to not talk about takeovers for a while. But Sean, I mean, you know, do you feel like it's important to construct football or do you think that the, the takeover situation really needs a resolution I think we saw last season with the Amanda Staley thing whether or not this was just coincidence or not Newcastle went through a really bad run of form as that takeover talk you know intensified until we got to the point where Ashley says it's not going to happen anymore yeah. we don't want that to happen again particularly now after two wins you know the narrative isn't going to change necessarily in the whole fan base because of two wins you know, a lot of the fan base are sick of the Ashley regime. They want a resolution. They, you know, they're quite vocal on social media, and they've probably earned the right to do that because of the eleven years of Mike Ashley. The fact that they're not going to stop being anti-Ashley until he goes, and that's you know, that's their right. And 
a lot of Newcastle fans will agree because, you know, in the 11 years, I might ask the it's been a pretty dismal time on the whole. Um, but as I say before, I, I just, you don't want it to distract the players, the staff. You know, Rafa Benitez will, will say all he wants that it's not affecting the players, but the players are already human at the end of the day. They're hearing little tidbits of what's going on. Mm. You know, more and more rumours. They're around the club. They'll be hearing more and more stuff. It is going to affect them until they've got the resolution. And we don't want the build-up to the January transfer window being dominated by this for nothing to happen again. And we get the, res- get the same situations with that January transfer window where, you know, Newcastle didn't really do anything until deadline day. Mike Ashley is, you know... The information that you know we've had is that he's 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 going to offer more backing in the January transfer window. But you know, if he's if he's at the stage where he thinks the club's going to be taking over, his his focus is going to be away from that. Mm-hmm. And you just don't want the situation where it's going to affect the January transfer window, and more importantly, affect the results on the pitch. Yeah, and we we should really talk about you know the the, the idea as well. I think which will become a bigger issue. It's probably been overshadowed a little bit by the two wins and the fact that on Saturday there was. Uh, no protests at all. It was the first time this season that it hasn't been, but that was out of a mark of respect for Remembrance <coughs> for Remembrance Sunday, which I thought was a, a classy touch by, by the Magpie Group. I thought it was the right thing to do, really, in, in terms of that, because the, the war flags display that they actually had was you know, breathtaking. It was really, really, really good. It was uh, hit the right note entirely. But the protests are going to be back for the next game. It's going to be the, the first chance, really, to see practically how... How how much that message has got through because they're talking about eleventh minute walkout uh, walk in sorry for the West Ham game so um, it probably hasn't yet been talked about too much because we've got you know three weeks until that game um, but it's it, it potentially that could be a really important moment in this season because we've heard a lot of talk about protests a lot of talk about anger um, I think how to reflect that anger has been a big big problem for Newcastle fans in the last three or four years and I think even more conflicted now because Rafa Benitez is there. The players are working so hard and, and you know, Rafa himself sort of says Newcastle fans have just wanted a team that, that put the effort in. You've got that now and I think a lot of fans feel conflicted about protesting when that team's there. A lot of other fans and, and it's a very vocal group of them are saying it doesn't. it's not about that. It's about boycotting Wolves. It's about making a point against West Ham and I do think that, you know, that the hierarchy will be watching these next two games and deciding for themselves how seriously to take these kind of protests um but they've got a they've got a big job i think the protesters to, to maybe convince people not to go to the games and that's not to say that necessarily people aren't really angry with mike ashley but it's going to be it's going to be such a big talking point i think for the next two games and i think we feel a little bit uneasy talking about it here because it's we're not you know well you guys are newcastle United funds but you're not you're not paying the money to go through the gate and you know, have to make that decision. But it, it's going to be so... You, fans don't want to be in this position where they feel like they have to pick a side. But it feels like at the moment that that may be where we're heading with these next two games. And it's going to be a really, really interesting next step. Yeah, and I don't know how Rafa Benitez handles this situation because obviously he's been asked about the protests and he's been quite diplomatic. But going into the next two games, he's made it clear that he wants unity together. And this is what he's preached for the last two seasons as well. To Newcastle, one of the reasons why Newcastle succeeded, at least in his opinion, and I think I, I would agree with that, that everyone was together. There was a, there was a, there was a message. There was, a, there was a, there was an end point. That's a, that's the issue. I think he's got this year is he, that's what he was struggling for. in that first 10 games when Newcastle couldn't win is, is to get everyone behind that. Now they've won a couple of games. You've probably got a few more people on side, but Benitez, 
as much as he, I think that privately he doesn't believe it'll be to the benefit of the team for there to be a boycott or a walkout or walk-in or whatever's going to happen, I don't think he will want to alienate fans either because he realises that they are annoyed. He understands the long-term issues they had with the hierarchy. He's had very similar ones himself. Well, I, I said that to him at the press conference. So we've, we've, you know, when people have kind of asked us here uh, about you know, how we're covering these things, and, and I did actually say to him, and I think it's difficult for him, but I did actually say to him, look, the issues that they've got are the same issues that you've got, Rafa. And he just answered a totally different question, yeah. <laughs> which I think was a fair thing. And, you know, he, it's, not to, it's not for him to justify what's, what Newcastle United are doing because he doesn't agree with a lot of that stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, it's very difficult to get answers from the regime at the same time, isn't it? We, 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 you know, we've, we've asked the questions. We're kind of in contact, I think, now. You know, Newcastle are opening up a little bit. You know, I can say that. They haven't said anything. And I don't think they will say anything now between now and West Ham and between now and Wolves because I think that they feel that anything they say is going to be um, it's not it's, it's, it's going to be taken as evidence of trying to undermine the protests or whatever and I, I just think at the moment it's probably just going to be they're just going to step back and, and just let it play out how it plays out so it's going to be I think everybody feels unsure of how things go because we hear a lot on social media but I think we've made the mistake in the past I think of believing what's being said on social media reflects what's going on in the stadium and sometimes it doesn't but that doesn't mean to say that people aren't really really angry and it's how that anger and how that desire for change comes across and I think there are a lot of things going on behind the scenes and a lot of things going on quietly underneath the surface that I think are really really positive and really really good but people can't talk about them at the moment because if they talk about them, then it, it makes it look as if they're doing it for publicity. So it's a really difficult situation. And I just feel for the fans. And I, and I think people in the Magpie group who I speak to, they're just ordinary fans. I think they get, they're getting a lot of stick from a lot of other people, but they're just ordinary fans. They just want a better Newcastle United, which is what all of us want. And, um, you know, it's difficult to see fans tearing each other apart a, a little bit on social media, but, but that's not been the case in the stadium recently. Um, so we will see I think that will be the big talking but we'll be back talking about this I'm sure in the next couple of weeks um, finally let's let's finish with a more more sort of upbeat uh, upbeat thing the, the under 21s got through to the next round of the Checker Trade Trophy which is a risible competition but for Newcastle United it's absolutely superb Sean can they win this thing? I don't know if they can. I don't know if they can win it. You know, there's there's some strong teams, particularly in League One, that are still in there. There's some strong under twenty one teams. And, you know, Newcastle are having a very good season under twenty under twenty three level. It's under twenty one in Cheddar Trade Trophy. But you look at the teams who they can get in the next round. They could possibly get through the next round and then take it from there. Um, they can play Man City under twenty ones. Still, still, still under twenty ones. Yeah. Barry or, Mo- or uh, Macclesfield. Um, Macclesfield. Macclesfield are arguably the worst team in the football league. Although they did beat Bradford. Well, you know who hasn't beaten Bradford. They did beat Bradford in the league cup. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, like at home in St James's Park, it's going to be a great experience for them. It should be a decent crowd in there. You know, and to be fair to them, a lot of them are rising to the occasion. Like Elias Sorensen scored his fifteenth goal last last night. I'd like to see him get a lower move in January because, yep. you know. He probably isn't ready to play for Newcastle's first team. He's got no first team experience. Before this season, he was a relative unknown. He's had an excellent few months. You know, now's the chance to see if he can go to a League One club or a League Two club and see if he can carry on that form. If he does carry on that form, then you know people are calling for him to have a first team chance. 
if he does go away and score goals, you know, the answer then in the summer isn't as straightforward as it is now, where you're mm-hmm. saying he hasn't got the first team experience. Um, you know, Sean Longstaff as well. It's good to see him playing well. Um, you he's know, he's probably had, outgrown the Well, yeah, that's it. He's had he's had a couple of good loan spells, and you know, he scored eleven goals in League One last year. You know, he's proven he can do it at that level. Um, it's just been a shame how it's worked out for him, really, in terms of you know. I think Newcastle still stayed in the League Cup. He would have had a few more first yeah. team opportunities, which would have you know would have helped him. Um, but there's some good players at that level, and it's, it's good to see them winning again because they had a bit of a poor season by all accounts last year. And you know Ben Dawson seems to be doing a good yeah. job. To be fair to him, um, you know they're, they're playing well in the league, they're playing well in the Cheddar Trade Trophy. It's good to see the young lads, you know, getting some positive praise for a change. Longstaff, Woodman, probably two that you'd say are going to be in contention for the first team in a few years. Sorensen, I mean, it's Chrissy. To, it's going to be a hell of a job for Sorensen to get in. Adam Armstrong, England under twenty one striker, yeah. scored goals at League One level, then went into the Championship and did okay. But Rafa just wasn't having him at all, so it's going to be really tough for Sorensen to make any kind of impact while Rafa's here, because I think Rafa will be looking for a kind of, you know, a next level kind of talent really to be to to, to promote into the first team. You will, but I think what's to Sorensen's benefit is that. Rafa's got him at a slightly longer, younger age and maybe he, when he was, he's been there the last three years when Sorensen's been there he, he's, he's looked at his development he brought him over to train with the first team last week and he says he isn't ready yet but he's seen firsthand. and last summer when they made a big clear out of the youth setup, Sorensen was one of the ones that kept they're already thinking about the next step for him I think he will go out and loan on January as long as the right club presents itself where he's going to play first team football it's still a, a massive step up to go from under-21 level to, to, to the Newcastle first team. There hasn't really been a pathway there for the last 10, 15 years. Take Carroll and Dummett really, yeah. and, and aside. There hasn't really been anyone, certainly up front, aside from Carroll. But, Sammy Amiobi? Well, who's he at now? Is he still Bolton? Yeah, Bolton, Bolton, yeah. yeah. Sammy Amiobi, like, OK, you know, he, wasn't, like, he didn't set the world alight for Newcastle first team, but he played a lot of games. At one, point he did, at one point, Sammy looked as if he was going to be a really, really good player, and it just... You know, that Europa League campaign killed him, didn't it? Because he just didn't perform anywhere near the level that he, sh- that he should have done. I, I, my theory with Sammy, who was a lovely, lovely lad, was that he got the big contract. And I think he didn't... You need to have a certain sharpness about you, I think, to be a professional footballer. I don't think he wanted it enough at Newcastle. That sounds terrible. I think he was almost too... He's almost too nice. You know, he had a... He, he had a lot of what he needed at a very early age. He had a big contract, quite a lot of money, a good lifestyle, um, you know, dedicated, great lad, you know, good good pro. But there's that next level of hunger that you need. I think Dummett's got it. Mm-hmm. That determination, that, that energy, and it is about mentality. And that's the key for Sorensen. I think, to be fair, when you hear Longstaff talk, Sean, that is, I think he has got that determination. I think he will... He'll go and be a player somewhere. Sorensen, it's that's the question, isn't it? Have you got the mentality to kick on? Dunnett has. I don't think Sammy did. That's not a you know, I think he's a good player. I think he's an incredible, incredibly skillful player, and he's got a good he's already got a good career. But you could see he was a bit sounds bad, but I just didn't think it was quite he quite had the next level. You know, he had chances and he just never really took it on. Whereas Dunnett has had a lot of knocks. And he just kept going and going and going and going. And now he's an international and a Premier League captain. Um, and it's really Sorensen has to show that same level of mentality. You know, 
it's too much too soon to, to put him into the first team squad now. And I understand why Rafa doesn't want to do that because you almost sometimes can infect yeah. that kind of determination that you've got if you give it to them too soon. You have to earn a Newcastle United first team jersey. And I think that that's what, for Sorensen, you know, yes, 15 goals for the under 21s, under 23s is great, but it's a totally different ball game. I think I think I think Rondon scoring twice on Saturday could be a big blessing in disguise for him because you know before that Newcastle weren't scoring goals and every time he was scoring the under twenty threes it was just constantly let's yeah. get him in the first team let's give him a chance now and hopefully you know if Rondon keeps scoring goals that's going to calm down it's going to let him have the chance to develop at his proper rate rather than rushing him in there and you know you've seen time to him again when players are winning too young and it ruins careers yeah, it doesn't just it ruin does. the season it can ruin them completely so. You, you told Ami Ubi there as well, and you used to watch Ami Ubi, and you could tell he had talent, but you, you always came away and said, Oh, he's, he's still a rough diamond. And before you knew it, he was 25, yeah. and he was still at Newcastle. It was, yeah. You've got to manage them correctly, you've got to make sure they do things at the right pace. And as you say, they've got to have that, that, that hunger and desire once they're in there that they're going to be in there. They're going to have the right mentality, they're going to take the knocks, they're going to keep going forward, and they're going to keep, you know, actually cementing themselves as a first team regular rather than just being that bit part player, that youngster who's always in and around there. We might give him 15 minutes here and there. and Hopefully Sorensen goes on loan and he takes his opportunity like Longstaff has in the past. Um, because you know if he if if he can take that confidence on and take that in the league one or league two and score goals, then he's, he's in a really strong position next year to either get being around the first team squad again, another loan move where he mm-hmm. can go and do it on a more regular basis, season on season. Um, and it's 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 an obvious point, but it's, you've got to make sure you get the right club for him as well. Because mm-hmm. Luke Charling was scoring goals in the under twenty threes last year, and he's on loan at Accrington now, and he's barely played. Yeah, you know he he scored he scored the he might score he set one up the other night, but that was in the Cheddar Trade Trophy game, and that's all kind of Accrington have trusted him to play in. And you've got to be careful with these little moves. Dan Barlieri, crew last year, he's yeah, openly he said that that was a bad move for him. He seems to be thriving Accrington this season. To be fair, but it it, it, it it's a big decision for Sorensen. You can't put him in the first team now, but you've also got to make sure if he does go on loan, it's the right club for him where he's going to continue to score goals and get that first team experience. I mean, they had they had Portsmouth lined up for Longstaff, and I think that would have been an absolutely superb move for him because Portsmouth's a big club in League mm-hmm. One, pressure on him every week to perform. Um, you know, Blackpool last season, you know, they, they he did really well there, but Blackpool is a different kind of fish. You know, impressing at Blackpool is a totally different thing to going to Portsmouth the expectation being on you. Portsmouth are a championship club at the very least, in my opinion. You know, there was a lot, there would have been a lot of pressure on him. It's a shame he didn't end up getting that move. Yeah, well, when we talk about loan moves and where players should go, I think you just have to, is it Bournemouth who appointed a loan manager a couple of weeks ago? And that is, I know something Rafa Benitez would like to do at Newcastle. And I think that that is part of the issue that maybe over the last few years, players have gone to the wrong clubs. Um, He needs, he wants someone in, there's that link almost between uh, the the academy and the first team because he, he readily admits that he doesn't necessarily know a lot of League One and League Two managers. He knows a lot around Europe, but in terms of the, the grassroots of English football or certainly the lower leagues of English football, he doesn't necessarily have those connections. He doesn't know state of players. He doesn't know uh, relationships within squads. He, he wants a manager who, who has the, uh, the uh, sorry a loan manager who has the ears to the ground who can say yes, if you send that striker there, he will play or he will be alongside such and such. You send that defender there, that they play the style that you want them to play. He's going to learn exactly what you want from them. And that's one of the many changes I, th- I think he wants to bring in. And really that would benefit the whole club in theory going forward. That They've trimmed down the under-23 squad. They're trying to get 
the, the best of the best that they can in that and now they just need to find that right development path going forward because if they can play more on loan then hopefully that means there's more of a chance of more of them getting in the first team eventually yeah because that's what the, that's what the, the, the game is kind of needs a little bit is for Newcastle they've got Yannick Torrey in there another lad that they've, they've brought in Sorensen they've got they've got good players in there they've got decent talent in there but the next step is not just about bringing in good players because they've had talented players in the past they had Zambalera they had you know they, they had Vukic they had Mbabu all players who've gone on and you know uh, they had the lads who ended up playing for Hungary um, Thomas, Thomas, Thomas Kedar Kedar um, good players players who've ended up having decent careers but they haven't been able to manage those talents and Babu potentially could be going you know having a really big money move and, and they haven't been able to manage those players correctly so it makes sense to me to bring somebody in like that and it, it, that's what Newcastle need at the moment they're, they're, they're that little bit away from making the next step really and you know it would be good if they had those kind of players to come in I mean Alan Pardew I remember he was convinced in the Europa League um, season that that's where we would we will use these players and they will step up and be the players that we need them to be so you had Gail Bigger Romana Harris Bukic Sami Amiobi Adam Campbell Adam, Adam Campbell, Campbell yeah. Kadar you know these were was Kadar still there I think he was still there I think he yeah. was still there. they had those players at the time and he said our testing ground will be the Europa League we'll put them in and um, you know actually some of them did okay but quite a lot of them just didn't didn't happen Niall Ranger was another one I think who ended up playing at Bordeaux I remember in was it woeful in that game but they did but they had the talent that year and it just never, never developed and that's what they kind of need to do with these these lads gents it's been an absolute pleasure international week is upon us Sean McCormack will be going with his England clappers to uh, <laughs> Wembley to go and cheer on England in their uh, crunch Nations League dead rubber against Croatia dead rubber oh, see uh, Jaden Sancho uh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Running into cool the sacks, probably. Uh, the, the Euro 2020 champions. It'd be, it'd be exciting watching Sancho at Wembley for the first. Well, it'd be the second time by the time I go, but yeah. It's. Yeah, I mean, Yedlin obviously played against England as well on Thursday. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to be watching that, so just Chris, so you know where on. International football cynic. Actually, the international football has been better since the Nations League came in. It's been good, hasn't it? It's not the Premier League, is it? It's not Newcastle United especially when they've won two games. That's what we want to be talking about. But we'll enjoy it while we can. Hope you join us when we're back next time. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast sponsored by eToro. Um, And we will be back in a week's time.